I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hello, and welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose from windy, windy San Francisco. It is super windy today, and so you may hear some whistling winds in the background. It's kind of like going throughout the house, and um, it's kind of spooky and kind of cool. Anyway, (laughs) Um, so today I am coaching Aline, who reached out to me initially because she has recently started going through change of life, menopause, and has found that she's gained some weight, like 10, 15 pounds in the last few years, and that it's not going away (laughs) as easily as it did when she was in college and, and could drop weight much easier. This is a pretty common problem, and, and I know a lot of people are curious what to do about menopause, uh, and that's, but it's actually a pretty straightforward thing, and, and we discuss it. Uh, it turns out, though, that in Aline's case, and I know this is true for many people, a lot is changing around this age. It's not just the hormones. So for, for Aline, um, also, there's a career shift that has happened. She's gone from you know being a teacher full-time to being home a lot more often. Also, her kids are older, and they don't quite have the same demands of her time and energy the way they did when they were younger. And all of this has a huge impact on her identity and her activities and what gives her meaning in her life. And it's hard. And (laughs) and it turns out this has an impact as well on her emotional state and what she chooses to eat. And so we really go into it. You know, we, I, 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 and I really want to hand it to Aline, you know, Thank, thank Aline for being open and willing to talk about all these very difficult things and being willing and able to self-reflect on what they mean for her. Because that's, you know, for a lot of people, that's really hard to do to sort of admit to struggling with stuff like this. But she's, she's super open and super willing to reflect and and consider the implications at the deepest level. And it's really cool because it enables us to get to a lot of insights really around how complex life can be and how health can integrate into your physical life and your emotional life and, and how to make all that work for you for the better. So Um, there's a lot here. It's really deep. It all intertwines in a rich tapestry. (laughs) But I think what's really important here is that, you know, Alina is a human and most of the time our health issues are not as straightforward as we think they are going into it. There's almost always a deeper identity or limiting belief or, you know, emotional thing going on in the background that is pushing your health behaviors in one way or another, usually at a sub- subconscious level. So it's really cool to for that Aline was willing to be so open about all that so you can really see behind the scenes what's going on. And, you know, and I give her some some pointers on how to get through that moving forward. So thank you, Aline, again, for being so so willing to do this difficult work here with me and enjoy the episode. Hi, Aline. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How can I help you today? I contacted you because I've been struggling to lose about a 10 to 15 pound weight gain that came on in my mid 40s. And it equates almost perfectly to about five pounds a year for the last three years. And 
it seems to me like all of the things that I did that worked in the past, the few times in my life I've gained weight, aren't working anymore. And I really feel like I do a lot of the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm using air quotes here, supposed to be doing. Um, I really eat nutritious foods the majority of the time. I work out five to six times a week. And for several reasons, and I think I kind of have an idea of a couple of them, I just can't seem to get rid of the 10 to 15 pounds that I've gained. Okay. So what were you, you said you've tried some stuff that worked in the past that isn't working anymore. What's that? Basically, when I was in college, I gained, and and so I'm 47 now. When I was in college, I gained the freshman 20 for me, and that kind of just worked itself out, and I lost it the next year. So I didn't really do anything then. And then in my early 30s, I had two back-to-back pregnancies. So for my first pregnancy, I thought, oh, I can eat whatever I want. It's all going to magically fall off. And so I gained about 50 pounds, and um, it didn't fall off, and then... Seven months later, I got pregnant again. Well, I had really wised up. So I only gained about 25 pounds with my second child. But, you know, I I would say the first 40 pounds, it did come off relatively easy. I mean, part of it, you know, after I had the baby and um, then just kind of being a busy mo- new mom of two babies. But the last 10 pounds really like took me several years to get off. And I wasn't really worried about it. I think I was too busy and kind of an overwhelm and just kind of, you know, I was happy. I wasn't really worried about it. So in my early 40s, I, I started clean eating. And so I think that is when I kind of got a little bit restrictive maybe. And so um, I had been exercising already and I've done weights since I was in my 20s. And I think I started running like around my early 30s, done aerobics before that, back in the 80s and early 90s. But so I had kind of become restrictive and more moralizing my food a little bit. You know, I had my good foods and my bad foods, and I did drop that last 10 pounds. And so really, my early 40s, I felt like I looked, you know, fine. Like I, I felt as good as I had for the last 20 years. And then right around the age of 44, I had a couple of life changes and one was I had been teaching. So I stayed home when my kids were babies. I went back to teaching when my kids were out school age. And then when they became teenagers, just logistically it got really difficult and to work and then get them where they needed to be. So I took off. So kind of around my 40s, mid-40s, I started going through perimenopause. And I kind of had a lot of symptoms giving me evidence of that. And then all of a sudden I was staying home. Then also, too, my kids were teenagers. That was the dynamics of my role as a parent was changing. So I went back to those clean eating habits that I had used before. I was already still exercising. And, I mean, nothing nothing happened. Nothing changed. <laughs> Didn't come back off. I see. And so, and that was how long ago? About three years ago. Okay. So for the last three years, you've been trying to do this clean eating the whole time or did you give up? Um, You know, off and on, I've really tried to experiment a lot with my diet and like eliminating different things or changing kind of my macronutrients just to see if anything made a difference. And I really don't feel like, you know, anything changed. It's funny you should mention that because I do feel like I will eat 
cleanly for several days, maybe sometimes weeks. And then I kind of have this little rebel inside of me that just says, well, screw it. It's not working anyway. You know, you're already exercising. You already eat pretty healthy. So, you know, why bother? Mm. So... I do. I do. <laughs> and have then what this. happens? Or what happens? Well, and you know, it, it's kind of funny. I guess I kind of go off the rails a little bit, but not too crazy. I mean, you know, I might eat a cookie or I might eat. So I have two teenagers. You know, I might kind of eat more like them, maybe eat out more because I don't typically do that a whole lot. Maybe eat out more, eat more bread or something like that. So it's like really, I'm not doing any crazy stuff. But it's just I have gotten so used to tightening the reins so much that, you know, going out and having bread and the starchy side is, to me, kind of getting crazy a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And for for a woman, like, that can be... That could be the difference of 10 pounds. Right. Yeah. I, I think, and that's what I tell myself. And so I, I think I already have the hormone, you know, issues going on. So I do have some things like that kind of are out of my control with just my age and my hormones. And I do think, I tell myself that, well, if I had 50 pounds to lose or 75 pounds to lose, maybe those little things wouldn't matter. Or if I was in my 20, if I were in my 20s, maybe those things wouldn't matter. But I've got that last 10 to 15 pounds and I'm already, you know, kind of in my mid to late 40s. So those things do matter. And I tell myself that and then that's kind of where that vicious cycle. Yeah. So there's a couple things going on. So it sounds like, I mean, you're dealing with the menopause thing, Mm -hmm. which let's talk about how that affects you just so you're clear. And so everybody else is clear on what that means. So essentially when menopause starts, basically your body starts producing less sex hormones and, and the particularly start producing less testosterone which is what it maintains your muscle mass. And muscle is what controls your metabolism. Essentially, is like muscle is what burns fat, right? What burns your energy. Or not just burns fat, but blood sugar. So anything you eat, if you want to burn it off, you better have some muscle there doing that work. So um, because, because you have less testosterone, you it's harder to maintain that muscle mass. So in order to maintain the same metabolism, you need to work out harder and eat more protein. Right. That like is something you just sort of like need to slowly adjust over the years. And when I say work out harder, I mean like strength training specifically, you right. know, like muscle building stuff, not just more cardio because that's not really the issue. Yeah. It's not just straight calorie burning. Right. And it's interesting you say that because I do strength train two to three times a week, but it's kind of funny. I did lift really heavy when I was in my 20s and my 30s. And I've had a few, you know, injuries over the years where I don't, you know, can't do certain things that I used to be able to do. I still do it, but I've really lightened up in my weight, you know, in the weight that I use. And I think that that, you know, I've always kind of questioned that in the back of my mind. I've thought, you know, I don't lift nearly as heavy as I used to. And, you know, is that part of the equation? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like probably you're, I mean, you're, if you're, the, what you're describing, to, I mean, it sounds like your metabolism is slowing a little bit. Right. So if the same thing isn't working, one way to counter that would be more strength training, especially if you're capable of it. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's tough when, you know, somebody's already in their 80s and sort of having, <laughs> right. having difficulty and has never worked out before to just start pumping iron like crazy. But right. you, it sounds like you're in, 
pretty good shape right for the right. most part and you can and this is something that's not a difficult particularly difficult tweak for you right and i really do enjoy it and so i think that 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 does make sense and when you say it that way because like i said i have even thought in the back of my mind should I be working out harder like I used to? Don't hurt yourself, obviously. Like, go take right, a <laughs> right. And I'll have to go to CrossFit six times a week. I think that another interesting thing, too, and I did your mindful eating challenge, is that um, I do feel like, and I think this may be a little bit more so when I um, start staying home. So when I start staying home, when I was a teacher, you know, I was pretty much in my classroom all day. I didn't really have snacking opportunities. I definitely noticed that first six months to a year of staying home, I was snacking more during the day. So I kind of cut that out thinking, oh, that'll solve my problem. And you know, the weight will drop off, which it didn't. But I do, it's really interesting. I've always kind of been a volume eater and I really try so hard to eat mindfully and there's just something that I think lately, the last couple of years, I, I like a sense of fullness. And people say, well, is it that you're fearing, you know, being hungry? It's not that at all. It's really interesting. Like, I like feeling full. And I think sometimes when I've kind of tried to journal or reflect, like maybe it's, you know, a, replacing a fullness that's lacking somewhere else. And I've thought about how, like, as far as my identity, you know, when I started staying home, all of a sudden I went from kind of being, you know, having my identity through my career and giving so much to people through my career. So I kind of lost that, like lost my identity through my career and my, you know, my feeling like I'm helping people all the time. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly out kind of in the field helping people. Yeah. And then too, it's really interesting because at the same time, my kids became teenagers. So I have two kids in high school now and, you know, emotionally they need me, but it's a very different sort of, <laughs> yeah, in a way. And so all of a sudden, like I kind of was one of those women that put a lot of my eggs in the kid basket for so many years. And all of a sudden, you know, like they don't need me in the same way. And I think that there's kind of a hunger that I have maybe for like what you said, my purpose or kind of how I'm living out my purpose through my career or what my role is as a mother. And I think oftentimes I use food to fill that up because it's not getting met. That is super profound. And I I do. And then of course I felt guilty afterwards. And I think, well, I, I, you know, I know that wasn't hunger that I just felt. That wasn't, there were no symptoms of physical hunger, no signs of physical hunger, but I did it anyway. And then that rebel's like, who cares? You, you deserve it. You know, I mean, you've had, you know, it just kind of, you know, things are kind of up in the air right now. And so it's kind of funny. Like I have these little people battling inside of my head sometimes, you know, the committee. The, yeah, I, I these call little it the committee. committee. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, the committee of eaters in my head. They do. They just kind of are always arguing. <laughs> so all that stuff is really deep. That's some deep stuff. And, and I think you're probably right to some extent that there is some subconscious emptiness or, mm-hmm. you know, some a feeling of lack because it used to yes, be filled right. with purpose in two different realms of your life. Right. To, and two, by the way, the two most important realms in your life. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
And 100%, like if, you know, our, our subconscious brains, like they're really intuitive and they're really smart, but they're not always super accurate right. <laughs> about like what it is. And so if they just feel lost, you know, they're not super able to decipher between emotional loss and like a physical hunger type thing. They're like, well, I feel better when I have like pursued something. So I'm just going to pursue food because that's here and that's impossible. Whereas being a mom to a five-year-old is not possible and being a teacher and helping a bunch of people right now is not possible. So I'm just going to take the third best thing. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. So when you're feeling empty, your your body is just looking for the easiest, closest thing to fill it up. And food oftentimes is what does that. Yeah. So it sounds actually like you are aware that your your eating isn't driven by actual physical need or even necessarily um, pleasure. Right. Is that, would you say that's accurate? Yes, definitely. So you're aware that there's like some emotional component, but it's hard for you to break it because there's, first there's no alternative. Mm-hmm. And also you're sort of, you lost a little bit of your confidence and your ability to lose weight at all because probably you're at the same time you're dealing with this menopause thing. So it takes actually more work than normal. That's so true. I mean, as much as I've thought about this, as much brain powers I've put into this over the last few years, you know, it's, it's so true what you said. I don't, maybe it's subconsciously, but I don't see an alternative. Because I can't tell my kids, you know, I want to just like send you back 10 years and have you really need me a lot again, you know? And right now, just it works for me to be home. It just makes more sense for my family for me to be home. And so those things can't be just, you know, fixed at the flip of a switch. There isn't really like in my mind, you know, that alternative right now. Yeah. So what are you doing when you're home? Like what are, you, what are your days filled with right now? I just do some different studies. Um, Actually, they're through my church. I do some different studies. I volunteer. I actually volunteer at the school that I worked at. I volunteer there once a week. And I, you know, do things for my kids that probably I wouldn't do if I were working, like make their lunches and make these really nice, cool lunches for them and, you know, serve on the PTA and those kinds of things. So really like volunteering and kind of, you know, like my spiritual growth and lots of self-study stuff. And then amazingly, lots of time that I spend on my 15 pounds, it's so much brain power that I've given to that and emotional energy that I've given to that. And then I get mad at myself thinking, oh my gosh, you know, like a doctor would tell you you're healthy. I mean, you don't, it's not an issue of, I need to lose this to be healthy. It's like really kind of vanity way, you know? I mean, and I think here you are 47 years old and why are you, you know, that this should not be my priority at 47 years old, you know? But it still drives you nuts. But it still drives me nuts. And it's funny because you you said it a few minutes ago too. I don't know if it's really the 10 to 15 pounds that drives me more nuts or the fact that I feel like I can't control it. Ah, <laughs> that is a really good question. I can't control my kids growing up. I can't control the fact that I need to be home right now. And I do feel like I just have a lot of things that I can't control. And interestingly, like my, like always being you know, always working out, always eating a pretty healthy diet, always kind of being fit was something I could control. And now all of a sudden I feel like, wait, I can't control it. I'm doing all those things and they don't work anymore. 
and I don't have control over that. And there's other things that I don't have control over and it really makes me mad. Right. So it's almost like you've like lost some autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think too, okay, if I couldn't control these five pounds per year for the last three years, does that mean every, you know, subsequent year I've got five more pounds? Because if I couldn't control this by doing the right things, who's to say I can stop it, you know, more more weight from coming on by doing those same things. Right. Although ironically, it's probably like that anxiety around it that is causing you to eat more than you need. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. It is. It's like I have this rational being, you know, that tells me, you know, all these things. And then I just have this, you know, irrational, unreasonable person inside of me that just contradicts everything rational me says, you know. Ah, uh, that's the that's the human condition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, it's interesting too because, and, and I will, I think I can say this in all honesty. I think I could honestly say, like, I just want to be at the weight where I'm. You know, I eat healthy. That's important for me. It's important for me for my future self. You know how I'll be able to play with my grandkids or how I'll be able to watch my kids do certain things and, and interact with my family and and people that need me. I want to be able to eat in a way that's pretty healthy because I want to be able to do all those things, but I don't want to feel guilt over my occasional splurges or worrying about whether having the roll and the sweet potato, you know, is bad. And then, and really like most importantly, I want to be able to stop when I'm full and eat when I'm hungry. And if that means me weighing what I weigh today, I th- I really think I would be okay with it. So it's kind of like I've changed my goal. I mean, I kind of feel like I remember before when I ate that way, what I weighed, and I think I'm just going off of memory, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe that's not the weight I would weigh anymore if I ate that way. But I really just feel like I want to eat with no guilt, no shame, you know, no judgment, because I know I won't go crazy if I do, if, you know I mean, I wouldn't just like go through the drive-thru at McDonald's every day if I allowed myself. Right. I believe that too. Where, so the guilt and shame, where's that coming from? You know, I don't know. I, it's really interesting. I didn't have it at all growing up. I didn't have it in my 20s. I mean, when I gained a lot of weight, when I was pregnant with my first child, I didn't have it. And really... It's funny because I look back at pictures when my kids were little, you know, I told you that first 40 pounds took a little bit to get off, but I don't ever remember obsessing about my weight or, you know, I look at pictures and think, wow, I was so much heavier than I am now, but I don't remember ever really worrying about it. And it's really just some point in my 40s when I really started that clean eating program that that's when I started categorizing these foods into good and bad. And then, of course, I, you know, if, if I good foods, I was good. If I <laughs> bad foods, I'm bad. So then it kind of, you know, I transferred that morality from the food onto myself. Right. Which Gosh, is crazy. Darn diets. I know. <laughs> Ruining it for everyone. <laughs> I know. So basically, you're telling me you're fine as you are. You know exactly what you want to do and you don't, you're not worried about like doing the wrong thing really, but you still have this inexplicable guilt and shame around the way you currently eat, even though you know it doesn't help you and you don't know how to stop it. Yes. Cause I still have these dual personality, you know, people in me that one says, all you have to do is tighten up. 
All you have to do is, you know, tighten up the reins and you could get to your goals. You could, you could look the way you want to look if you just, you know, stopped more, you know, if you exercise more willpower, which I know that's kind of a big myth, but if you exercise more willpower, if you tightened up, you could get where you wanted to go. And then I have this other person saying, you know, you could do that, but how much fun would life be if you did that? And, you know, do you really want to live that way? Do you really want to have to, you know, manipulate your social life and, you know, your family life so that you can do that? Because it's going to take that much right. to get where you want to go. Right. And they're just constantly at war. Right. Those- and there's no resolution to that. I haven't found any yet. Well, there's not. I mean, it, it, it's just like because it, it one causes the other. And so it doesn't like like nobody ever wins. Like because but they're right. both right. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it, it, like basically here's what happens. The one who wins is the one that is in the mood you're in at the time. Right. Because there's like a million arguments on both sides that are right. Right. And you're just cherry picking whatever mood you're in. Yeah, it's like that old fable, like about the Indian chief or whatever, where it's like the more energy, the one you give the energy to, that's going to be the one that wins, the one that you feed the energy to. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be the one that wins. And and interestingly too, so you know, I have two kids and my 15-year-old son pretty much doesn't care what he eats. And you know, of course, he's still you know, likes to hold up his shirt and show his six pack, you know, (laughs) even after he's just eaten two cinnamon rolls or whatever. So I have a 16 year old daughter and she's an average weight, like me growing up. I wasn't super skinny, wasn't overweight, she's average. And it's really interesting because I do, like I try to hide a lot of my feelings. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, like I talk to her about not eating out fast food a lot, but she's a teenager and like now that she has freedom and she's old enough to drive herself, like that's one of her favorite things for her to do with her friends is right. they go get fast food, you know, and they're pretty resilient. So I don't think it has the effects on them that they, they don't feel the effects quite yet the way I might, if I were to eat that way. But, um, but, you know, I also really want to be careful about, I feel like too, like, okay, I've got to get this in check for me because I don't want her to, you know, to feel some of the things I feel. Right. And I right. think I'm hiding it from her, but she's 16. She's very intuitive. You know, kids that age, they can pick up on way more than I think we think they can. Absolutely. So. So you also want to be a, a positive role model for your kids. For your yeah, daughter. absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I don't want them to see me eating something different all the time. I mean, Obviously, I'm not going to always eat the same thing as my teenage son, even if I'm making a healthy meal. You know, I may choose to have a, you know, not everything that he has or whatever. But like one night, my daughter had some friends over not too long ago, and it's about 10 o'clock at night, and I made homemade crepes, and we put Nutella in there. And, you know, I sat there and ate those with them, and I thought, wow, like I should not be eating like a teenager. Nutella crepes at 10 o'clock at night is probably not the best idea. But then I thought, I also don't want her to see me like not enjoying that moment with with my daughter. And her yeah, friends, that sounds you great. Know? Yeah, because <laughs> parents don't get invited in very much when it comes to teenagers and their friends. And like food is one of the, you know, great ways to have that bonding right. experience. Okay, right. And and and, and I mean, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, all this stuff comes down to qu- like when and how much. You oh. know what I mean? It's like 
Well, I, I mean, I think that was a completely appropriate time to have a, a Nutella crepe with your daughter. Like that sounds <laughs> <Right>. really fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> not four, you know, like, like, right. and not right. because, you know, it's late at night and it's sugar and it's right. not a good thing to eat four of. And you get just as, I mean, that's the sort of thing where like, I th- it sounds great. And I know that if I took like four bites, it'd be done because I'm like, right. it's so sweet. And yes, I don't even know if I'd like it as much as it sounds like I'd like it. But, um, you know, so that's sort of, that's the game that is winnable is, um, choosing your values and, um, and being choosy about the situation and the quality of the food and, and so that you, so it's not, you're like, you're always like exercising willpower, just like making value-based decisions. And when that, when that happens, it doesn't take willpower. Right. But you do have to discharge the guilt around enjoying yourself. Right. Yeah, that is interesting because I mean, like I, there are some self-care things that I do, but I always have felt a twinge of guilt, I think, when I do them. I don't know why or where that came from, but you know, like if I go get a oh, massage. Oh, even non-food related? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even like if I go get a massage or, you know, maybe I, I don't feel, so I don't, I don't feel that way when I'm taking my exercise time out, but just sometimes when I'm doing something that kind of feels indulgent, I feel kind of guilty. Like, what if someone needs me to be doing something right now? What if my kids need me to be doing something right now and I'm not available? Or, you know, like, I'm out here spending this money when I could really take that money and, you know, find a use for it for someone that has way less. You know, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because when I think about it, like, that kind of guilt I feel with indulgences doesn't really just stop at food. It does kind of spread out into other areas of my life. That's another super profound observation. It's it's important because if you feel bad about doing like any form of taking care of yourself or like doing something nice for yourself, not you know, obviously this doesn't extend to like toothbrushing and showering. Right. <laughs> Somehow, although it's also just as important. Um, uh, But like sort of almost like, you know what I feel like it is sometimes? I feel like it's, if it's mental care for ourselves, it doesn't, feels like an indulgence. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's it's like you can justify taking care of your body and your teeth and your hair. But the second it's like your happiness, you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Right. And then I think, well, like I don't have an excuse not to be happy. I have all these, you know, I, I'm able to stay home with my kids. I mean, there are a lot of people that logistically they live this nightmare because they can't afford to stay home temporarily with their kids. And this is and, how you, you know, justify feeling guilty about it. Yeah. Like who am I but to just, be? Right. But, but just because you have lots of nice things and have a good life doesn't mean that it's easy all the time and that you don't need a right. break. Right. Or that you don't right. deserve to be as happy as your kids. Yeah, and I don't want to send that message out to my daughter either. Like, you know, you need to always, you know, be waiting on everyone else and not take care of yourself, you know. It's funny. Absolutely. It's kind of like I want to live this one life and show her this <laughs> this other life. Like I almost want to not not that I want not that I want to, but I almost feel like I need to live a certain life, but then show her something different. I like that. I actually I think you're tapping into your power right now. Your rationalization, like you were just saying, is like, what if my kids need me? Well, you know, like, like your rationalization is like, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for people right. that matter to me more than anything in the world. Of course, I will make any sacrifice for them. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course you will. You're their mother. Sure. Like, that's 
what that means. But your subconscious brain, which is very wise, but not very accurate, (laughs) um, is missing a very important point, which is what your conscious brain is telling me right now, which is that there's a different need that your daughter has. And that's a role model Mm -hmm. of how to take care of herself. Right. And for some reason that hasn't like sunken in to your subconscious brain yet. Mm-hmm. But I think if you tap into that, cause that you are, cause that is 100% right. Right. That like your daughter needs to see this in you. Yeah. And I want my son to see it too, because I don't want him to, you know, marry someone someday or be in a relationship someday and not expect that his wife should have all those things for herself, you know? I don't want him to ever get the false idea that a wife's, you know, job, a, mo- a mother's job, his wife's, you know, the mother of his children, her job is to sacrifice her whole self to take care of him and their children. You know, I don't want that either. So intellectually, I think you've got this sort of figured out. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that on a subconscious level, when you go to experience it or, or, or to act upon it, it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's new and we've been socially conditioned for like our our entire lives to like do the other thing. Right. How do you resolve that? I don't know. It's like, I do just want to like turning off noise, you know, turning off the noise of kind of that internal chatter and external too. Because I think, I feel like culturally we're just constantly in this, I think our cultures send such detrimental messages to women, you know, about deprivation and what we should, you know, restriction. And I don't know. I don't know. It's like turning off that chatter, I think is like what, and a lot of probably 90% of it's internal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that came, if it started externally and. And you internalized it. Yes. You probably internalized it it before the age of 10. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Because that's the worldview that most of us have is the one we developed very young. And so yeah, it's hard to change. So I have some news for you, which is that the chatter is never going to stop. Uh, right. Yeah. The question is, can you tap into your higher value and act anyway, even though it makes you uncomfortable? You know, it's so true. And like what you talked about, my values, you know, before I was 10 years old, you know, all that really kind of being in place. Like I still to this day feel guilty for not eating all the food on my plate. And you talk about that a lot, you know, the clean plate club. Um, <laughs> and I do. And I mean, like you said, you know, I know that rationally it doesn't help anybody in any other country for me to make myself stuffed, you know, but there's something about that guilt. Like there are a lot of people that have less and you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't waste it. You shouldn't. And that's really hard for me. Like, you know, wasting food. I think that's honestly sometimes why kind of I overeat is because I think, oh, I'm not supposed to waste it because there are people that need it and I should be lucky that I have it. So, but you're right. I think so many of those things probably have been within me since I were, since I was so young and I don't even, you know, it's subconscious. I don't even really know they're there. But you're at, but you're letting them rule your life. Yeah. It's like, there's a part of me that's allowing these blinders you know, to, to remain on. And I don't know, like, what in me needs something that I'm allowing that to happen, you know, like. Well, it's a very natural human reaction. We don't like feeling uncomfortable. So we conform to social norms. We do what feels right. You know, if we, if we feel guilty or feel bad, we do what it takes to stop that feeling. It's normal. 
That's a good point. And you know, it's not like you have this innate drive to like do things that are not like helpful for you. It's it's like totally and like there's like first of all, all those things are helpful for you. Like uh, like the societal norms, taking care of your family, like all those things are are fine. Like they're great uh, in the right context. Right. But right now they're applying, like, it's great to not be somebody who wastes food. Like wasting food is terrible. Right. Drives right. me nuts when people raise food. But right. throwing, a, yeah. like not finishing your dinner isn't wasting food. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's again, our subconscious being wise but not accurate. <laughs> it like conflates the two. Yeah. And it's kind of funny how it does, it does seem to be like I look at things kind of black and white. You know, I feel like when it comes to me, to myself, I tend to look at things kind of black and white. You did good, you did bad. You know, you did well, you did poorly, whatever. And you were good, you were bad. That mm-hmm. was right, that was wrong, you know? Right. And, and there's, really yeah. Gray. That's a great observation. And, and you're right in that, like, the way out of that mindset is to just look for gray areas. Right. Actively seek them out. That's such a good point, what you said about, you know, kind of deciding whether those those splurges or those indulgences, if they're worth it, you know, like not, you know, like I wouldn't want to go eat a cupcake from the, you know, from the grocery store that was in a package that's probably been there for three days. So gross. But yet, crepes with my daughter and her friends at 10 o'clock at night, like that's, that's that gray area where this is when it was worth it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's still good, even though it's sugar. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So just look for the gray areas. That's, that's one. Cause that, that helps with how, what that does is it helps undo limiting beliefs because limiting beliefs are very black and white and they're subconscious because your subconscious likes black and white, but looking for gray areas or, you know, think of the opposite. What if the opposite, how could the opposite be true? So you think kind of thinking like a scientist can help create nuance and when you can create nuance in those beliefs, basically they get more refined and more accurate. Right. You're not going to undo them. Because like I said, you're going to find all sorts of value of social conforming, helping your family. Like there's lots of good reasons for them to be there. And that's why you get stuck in these arguments in your head because there are lots of good reasons to do one thing. And there are lots of good reasons to do the totally opposite thing. Mm-hmm. The question is, in this moment, where is your values lie? It's kind of interesting. It makes me think when you talk about home court habits, like I think I have my habits in my head, but it it's almost like it would be worth like sitting down and kind of like writing out some new home court habits. You know what I mean? Like maybe that aren't so black and white, maybe that aren't, or, or maybe not even, you know, literally writing them down, but it's like reevaluating my home court habits because I think my home court habits are pretty strict and they're pretty, you know, they're kind of hard to follow. They're pretty, the, high, the, the bar is very high. You know what I mean? And maybe I could lower that bar just a little bit so that I wouldn't feel like I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing or doing something wrong or something. So that's a really good idea. So what you're talking about is basically injecting some of your other values into, because it sounds like right now, maybe your home court habits are based 100% on health. Yeah, health and food. I love that. Like what you just said, I hadn't thought about that. This is this is really brilliant. <laughs> I love this. So um, yeah, like when I think about my home court habits, it includes regular indulgences that are valuable to me. 
like that, but, but, but they're in check. You know what I mean? It's like, right. like I don't eat at restaurants. Like I, like I, I never like skip three days of cooking at home in a week. Like if, right. if like right. I'm, no matter how busy I am or what, I'll just like, I'll tell my husband, I'm like, no, like we're not going out tonight. Like we're staying home and I just That's have right. my limits, but, but it's not zero. It's not that we're never going out because I don't want to live like that, but I'm not making that that because of health. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting point because I hadn't really thought, like you said, I, all my home court habits, when I think about them, they were all based on health and nutrition and none of them were based about, you know, based on like pleasure or like that emotional, the emotional side of it was never considered for me when I thought about it. And it's really important because what happens is if you, if you ignore those things, they, they come get their revenge. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I think that sometimes why I do overeat is probably because I really wanted something else. You know, like I've heard someone call it the banana effect. Like you think, oh, I'm not going to eat that banana because there are too many carbs. So you go and you eat up all these other things, you know, that end up being way more calories, way more sugar than the banana ever was going to be because you just avoided the banana. Yeah, I talk to people on the show like this all the time. Yeah, like like people will, and like people I coach all the time, like the they'll like intentionally eat a smaller lunch so that it's not so bad when they overeat later after dinner. And it's just right. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. Got <it> backwards. <laughs> yeah, and I do. I feel like I do. That's probably one of the reasons why I overeat. But I do really like that idea of like reevaluating my home court habits and... Um, but incorporating like more emotional, like more of an emotional aspect in that and like joy and pleasure and making that a part of my habits too. I think that's a great idea. And hopefully that'll discharge some of the guilt around it. That would be nice. Yeah. Cause I don't like, I don't like seeing things in black and white. I mean, I actually got accused of being that way with like my kids, you know, like with my son and his grades, you want me to be perfect. I'm like, oh, no, really? I just want you to do your best. And so <laughs> I think maybe maybe I kind of <laughs> am doing that to myself. You no, know, you have to be perfect, but you have to do your best. You know, always, like, do your best. So maybe he, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm kind of guilty of that because maybe, you know, like, upon reflection, I think I kind of do that with myself. Yeah. You're really good at the self-reflection. I, I'm going to give you a round of applause for that. Yeah, I'm great at reflecting, and then I just have to take my – you know, the wisdom that I gained from reflection and put that into practice, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to give you a little, a little exercise that can, um, that I think can help you with specifically that. Okay. Cause it sounds like a lot of what comes up for you. Like, like you said, like you said, you're, you're very self-aware. You seem, you have a good grasp of what your values are. You, you've been having a little bit of difficulty integrating them all, seamlessly without feeling bad about it. But I think you sort of have an idea now of that you need to do that, that it's important that you do that and that you can do that. And so just to warn you, as we talked about a little earlier, a little bit earlier, something is this something's still going to come up and that's going to be that is intellectually acknowledging that you want to start doing this stuff is not going to make the discomfort of doing it go away. You have to be okay with that. Right. You have to be willing to sit and because here's what here's what discomfort feels like. Discomfort feels like an impulse to do something. You know, it's like, oh, God, I want to eat that cookie or, oh, God, I want right. to make my kid get an A or, oh, God, you know, it's like whatever it is. Like you have an impulse and it's, a, it's just this drive and you 
you can almost feel your muscles tense to like mm-hmm. get you there. Yes. But but then you have a part of your brain that's saying, no, <laughs> you know, like, like I have this other thing. This other thing is important too. But because you're already in that impulse, it's really difficult to stop. Right. This is what discomfort feels like. Discomfort feels like just sitting there and being like, I have an impulse and I'm just going to sit here. My, I like, I have an itch. Like, like actually it, uh, in meditation, one of the things we do is like practice not scratching itches. Right. Because, yeah, because like it's such an impulse, but like you're not going to die if you don't scratch that itch. Right. What you're doing is practicing being uncomfortable. That's so funny because when you said that meditation is exactly the example that came to my mind, like on a minute of, about minute number nine, minute nine, 10, that's when I start feeling that I can't sit here and do nothing. Or in Shavasana, and I know you said before that you don't do yoga, but you know, in Shavasana at the end, the part where you're really just relaxing and letting go and your mind is quiet and that, that can be really hard for me sometimes. So I, I totally know that discomfort that you're talking about. Right. And the most uncomfortable things to do are the, are the things you learned when you're like 10. Right. Because it feels like there's no other way in the world, even though in your mind you want something different and you know it's better and like all those things and you've got every argument in the world. It feels so wrong. <laughs> I know. Right. Yes. It, it does. feels I'm, so wrong to do I'm something for yourself. I shouldn't do this. This is the, so self-indulgent. This is like a reckless behavior, you know? I know. Right. But, right. So there's, so, so you have all the reasons, I think, that... That's wrong. Right. Right. Like you need, like you're your best mom when you're in your best state. Absolutely. And physical health and mental health are both part of that. And being relaxed and having energy and getting enough sleep and doing things you enjoy and showing your kids what it means to be a grown up who does those things and all that stuff. You know that. Right. But it's going to feel so awkward to do it. Yeah. So I just yeah. want to warn you about that. And when you're doing your meditation practice and when you're doing your yoga and you're feeling uncomfortable, <laughs> stick with it a little longer. Yeah, just know. And, and channel that next time you go get a massage or next time you want to eat a crepe. I like that. Hmm. Worst case scenario is you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And I get to see my other people see me enjoy it. And I think that can be really powerful. Absolutely. Right. Because you have those higher values. Right. Cool. So what's your game plan? Um, so my game plan is I definitely want to like rewrite my home court habits and like literally put them down there. Like maybe that's an accountability thing, you know, putting it down there and then, you know, just try to live more in the gray, I think, um, re, re, you know, reevaluating my home court habits, rewriting those and living in the gray. And like you said, just knowing just seeing a person who's, you know, joyful and, you know, can be like, like, you know, not, you're not complacent because you're, you know, accepting, you know, acceptance, but not complacent and just letting them see what that looks like. And I think for me, that can be, that's really, I mean, I know, I know it's powerful for me when I see it in someone else. Yeah. Imagine what it feels like to do it. Definitely. It's actually going to feel really hard and awkward. <laughs> I'm sure it will in the beginning. I'm sure it will. But it will. But you'll be very, but like once that like becomes something that you're, you feel like you can do, you'll be, you'll feel good about it. Right. You'll feel like you're living in line with your values. And that's like the best feeling. Because even when life gets hard, which it always does, you know, goes 
through cycles. Sure. If you can always look back and say, you know what, like my life's still meaningful because I live in line with the things that really matter to me. Like right. that's, that's like how we all want to be. Right. And time's going to go by whether or not I do it. So I can either get through the uncomfortable part to get to a comfortable place or just stay in the uncomfortable place. You know what I mean? Well, I'm excited for you, Lean. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love, I love listening like to you kind of talk to me about my reflection. It's, it's uh, really helpful. Awesome. Well, please keep me posted and good luck with everything. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.